Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My guest this hour is Acharya S., and we're going to be talking about Acharya's new calendar. It's the 2012 Astrotheology calendar, calendar that serves as a basic introduction into the world of archaeo astronomy, solar mythology, and astrotheology. As has been the case in our past uh, astrotheology calendars, in addition to showing lunar phases and festivals and astrological signs, this year's calendar highlights the solstices, equinoxes, and fire festivals with a different color for each of the eight relevant days. Also, as in the past, in our quest to in inspire an interest in astrotheology, mythology, and archaeoastronomy. We have provided fascinating information about the astronomical alignments and the astrotheological meanings of various ar- archaeological wow, thanks friend. Archaeological sites and ancient artifacts from around the world. Joining me now is the one and only Acharya S. Hey, how are you? Hey there. Nice to hear from talk to you again. Great having you with us again, Acharya. Congratulations mm-hmm. on your calendar. And you know, there's there's calendars all over the place. What was your inspiration for this calendar? <laughs> you know, we talk about heady issues uh, about religion, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we talk about the bad aspects of it, and we talk about what it isn't and how it's fallen short. And so we we spent quite a few years speaking about and where it's mythological and not historical and so forth. And the other side of that coin is what have, what uh, religious 
ideas or mythological or spiritual concepts have inspired humanity mm-hmm. in a positive manner, in a manner to produce beautiful culture and artifacts. And so these calendars that I've been making for the last three years are really a very striking visual... Some, somebody outside. Somebody's stealing your car. <laughs> a really striking visual experience mm-hmm. of the meaning behind the myths. And I wanted to share that sort of artistic expression instead of the usual scholarly highbrow stuff that I right. do, which is, you know, it's very difficult. To, I also have a new DVD out for that reason, which has all kinds of footage of me talking. It's a, another imagery, but that's, you know, it's again, it's with the image, the striking imagery. Because the calendars show our religious heritage dating back thousands of years and how it actually affects us today and our current religious traditions. December 21st, 2012, everybody's talking about it. You know, with, there are those who think it's going to be the dawning of the new age of spirituality. The uh, others think the new uh, galactic alignment is going to throw everything on its on a tilt. That negative is going to be positive. Positive is going to be negative. North is going to be south. South is going to be north. Then there are those who believe that it's the end of the world, the beginning of the Rev- book of Revelations, the apocalypse. What do you think? Wow, you just had that patter down well. <laughs> Not bad, eh? Yeah, you're good. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a chance to think about that. We're going to take a two-minute commercial break. All right. When we come back more with Acharya S., we're talking about her 2012 Astrotheology calendar this hour and much more. Her website is www.truthbeknown.com. And Acharya S. and I return on the other side of this two-minute commercial break. As the Exxon continues, we're right here live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing. Old Florida cuisine at its best. Are you interested in the paranormal, ghosts, UFOs, or psychic phenomenon? Join me, Tim Bartley, co-host of Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, coming mid-January 2017 to the XZBN. We will channel spirits live and talk to them, revealing all kinds of amazing information. Spiritual attachments will be found and removed on the show, and so much more. 
To find out when you can listen to Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, visit www.xzbn.net for listeners on both sides of the veil. Acharya SSR special guest. We're talking about her 2012 astro theology calendar. And uh, before we went to the commercial break, I asked you a very simple question, all about December the 21st, 2012. So tell me, what does Acharya S think is going to happen on <laughs> that marked day? Well, it's going to be world uh, world ending global cataclysm. <laughs> I don't, isn't that what everybody wants to hear? Oh, well, yeah, you know, you've, you've got everybody clapping, but now tell the truth. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid our end is going to come much slower than that. But, uh, well, see, in this particular calendar, I, I do quote one of the world's leading Mayanists who is uh, has been dunned with that com- that question for you know years now obviously is a professor who has essentially refuted it he said there's really no text that says what the um, sensationalist movie studios and all the rest the new age or kind of uh, end of the world trumpeters are proclaiming it'd be something like the year 2000, which I think we also were talking on the radio back then with mm-hmm. Y2K, but <laughs> it's been that long. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no no worries made in that regard. The calendar has a particular cycle that ends. I'm not an expert on, this, on the Maya calendar, which is extremely complicated. But what that date really, and even the 20, December 21st date is sort of contrived. I believe it's traceable to the 80s, maybe with... Um, Jose Arguelles or something. Uh, I know some. It's apparently a really fairly modern date as far as the actual day goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the year is really just the end of a cycle, and the Maya clearly expected things to change at ends of cycles. They had this very very complicated system whereby their mythology essentially would change at that point. And whether or not we choose to take, by mythology, I mean what they thought was religion. You know, they took this very seriously. And it inspired them to do certain things. So cycles definitely have an effect on us in that they inspire us to do things or act in a certain way or set up our culture in a particular manner. But that it's not something that you can actually read into and say we're going to have earthquakes and pole shifts and tsunamis and so forth and so on on that day. In fact, I'm supposed to be at the site of Chichen Itza in the Yucatan on that day, giving a talk. What's your talk on? Well, the, my talk would be, uh, how, you know, a new future, 2012, right. a, a new new beginning is what it would be. Because I would, and I would tie it into something like I've got going on with the calendar, the calendars that I've created, which are, was describing these visual, very uh, beautiful imagery that I've included in here, and I have text describing the 
the artifacts, either artifacts or sites or celestial phenomena like nebula. Mm-hmm. And what humans have done with these archaeologically or astronomically aligned sites, the sacred sites, citing them on the the movements of the planets and the stars and the sun, the moon, and so forth. Um, and this expression expression of really science, astronomical science, dating back thousands of years, it, it reveals such a such a deep and profound human spirit. It's very inspiring. It's the kind of thing that we want to hear. That's the flip side of <laughs> end of the world talk. What has humanity created? I love looking at this stuff. I'm talking about ancient artifacts. These sites, not even necessarily that old, um, that are very extraordinarily create, created, very artistic, very beautifully set, and sometimes like Machu Picchu on the side of a mountain, just incredibly dramatic. These wonderful human accomplishments, I like to point to those as well as pointing out the folly of humanity so that it can be changed. But So what I would try to tell people, in, first of all, the good news is that with all this global communication we've got going on, right. we're finding correspondences everywhere. We've got lots of differences to iron out, but we're finding correspondences everywhere. And, and there actually are correspondences in religions. There are some very profound differences between religions, and I've talked about them repeatedly for a long time. But I like to focus on the... the I also you know, talk about the comparisons, mm-hmm. because that's part of comparative religion. That's actually what gets me in trouble the most. Because I would say something like, the religions that were followed in Mesoamerica had some incredibly striking similarities to old world religions, especially Judaism and Christianity. And so when the Europeans started coming over here after Columbia, Columbus, and there was this, this onslaught, then they just started discovering all of these similarities mm-hmm. between their religions and Christianity and Judaism. And they were so completely freaked out by it. So instead of trying to figure out why they had the similarities, or they did come up with some excuses, like uh, either Jesus teleported himself here from the Middle East, or St. Thomas flew on the back of an eagle to land in Central America. And I'm not kidding. These are the things that they came up with to explain these correspondences. Yeah. So, you know, we, we know for a fact history has lied. We know that science lies. We know that everything that we're told is is wrong. So, you know, what is the truth about archaeology? What is the truth about the past as as, as we can prove, uh, Cherio? We know that Columbus didn't discover the Americas. We know the Vikings and the Irish were here way before him. We know that the Egyptians were trading with North America. So what do we do to change all this? <laughs> well, this is a part of what I'm doing now with this this kind of work. Of dealing with what we do now, mm-hmm. for example, uh, right right now, looking at these incredibly prof- beautiful sites. For example, I've got the uh, Angkor Wat in Cambodia in this year's calendar. I've got the Persepolis in Iran. And I try to take a sampling from all over the world mm-hmm. to show the, the, these commonalities. And... Uh, even then the, how they're inspiring modern uh, modern um, uh, expressions of them as well. And like uh, end December, I end with this new uh, earth clock in Burlington, Vermont. It's just so cool. It, it measures all of these this knowledge. 
and this knowledge is always perpetually on the end on the edge of being lost and that's what you're talking about because we've lost so much of it and it that loss has allowed for the pathologies to arise that are mm-hmm. dividing us up we've got this tree of knowledge that has all kinds of dead pathologically you know infested branches at the end that need to be pruned down and I'm out here pruning the tree, and the tree starts to scream a little bit now and again. <laughs> People don't like to hear that their pathologies are pathological, but uh, but so when you go back to these roots, mm-hmm. you know this is this is the good news. That what is it all about? It's all about our natural world. It's about what we can see around us. It's about revering the creation and not destroying it. And we're so close to destroying the creation on this planet you know it's just ay 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 the bad news is everywhere yeah and and so you know i mean and as far as the this the particular uh, old world new world contact goes of course the mainstream science will argue that the only contact that has been really solidly proved was uh, in with the vikings in uh, newfoundland but Here's what where I am working on right now because I'm, I'm revising my Christ conspiracy book. Yes, that's quite a chore. After uh, it was published in 1999, and there's been just tons of material that's come out to validate <laughs> almost every major point and many minor details in there as well. Uh, I'm trying to figure out humanity supposedly coming out of Africa and then making its way up through, this is what the the modern, Mm -hmm. the most recent theory of the genetic Eve is, making its way up through the uh, Middle East and then over into Europe and over to the East and to Asia and then across the Bering Strait down into America. And that's really what the mainstream is telling us and so forth. And then you see all these other DNA studies on the DNA has been going back and forth on the genetics of of Native Americans, and it's really confused. And so I'm trying to sift through it all because they're talking four migrations, nine migrations, one migration. Yeah. The one gut migration is the dominant theory. They're saying that the anomalies that show Polynesian genetics, that show Japanese genetics, that these are all being tossed out. <laughs> because they don't fit the paradigm. Yeah, you know, if it doesn't fit, you toss it. You call it false. And that's, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what you've been talking about yeah. with all you, so many of your guests. You've been you've been examining the anomalies that are being tossed away. <laughs> exactly. That's a way. That's a way to put it, isn't it? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That's a very polite way of putting it. I might add. <laughs> I feel like an anomaly that's been tossed away. Anyway. <laughs> Not you, my dear. Not We're you. You're 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 a shining light in a sea of deceit. Oh, thank you so kindly. Uh, yeah, I like to like just dig down and get down to the basics and see yeah. what humanity's been doing and project myself into the picture and say, where how are they getting so inspired by this? Mm-hmm. But again, with the this this whole thing about the Yucatan and the Maya and, and their religions being so similar to the old world religions and so forth. See, this is where I have a problem with that that isolationist perspective. I have a very dear friend who's a major isolationist archaeologist at American University. And, you know, I, I, I see his point where he's talking about, hey, the solid evidence is they haven't really found this. They haven't really found that. That's fun, but with my studies, the details 
of similarities between this, how similar the details are between all these religions, that to me is evidence of ongoing contact at least a couple times over a period of thousands of years. It is, it is something to it. It's so detailed. Stand by, Acharya. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Acharya S. is our special guest, truthbeknown.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. We'll be back on the other side of the news. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. And welcome back, everyone. Acharya S. is our special guest this hour. We're talking about Acharya's new calendar, the 2012 Astrotheology Calendar. Her website is www.truthbeknown.com. And maybe for our listeners, could you... Could you describe what astrotheology is? I certainly can. Great pleasure. Jeez, I hope you can. (laughs) Well, we've already been talking about it. We're talking about sacred sites having Mm -hmm. astronomical alignments, archaeo-astronomically aligned, which means in antiquity or prior to the modern era, people built these sites and they aligned certain axes of it corners of the if it's a building or two or sites sighting stones to the winter solstice the summer solstice the phases of the moon and a wide variety of different celestial landmarks uh, and for purposes of not just worship but worship as well as having this knowledge encapsulated this is very important knowledge to humanity we could not really progress without it. The knowledge of these planetary movements uh, will t- tell us when we should be planting and harvesting. That's just a major thing. And it's, people talk about, raise that one particular aspect up. Uh, it'll tell us when, for example, the Nile is going to flood. And that mm-hmm. was crucial to the development of Egypt. And the Egyptian religion is highly astrotheological. Their gods were largely uh, revolving around nature. You know, we know about the gods in, of the Egyptians with 
crocodile heads and jackal heads yeah. and so forth. And cat. And we know that they're extremely focused on the nature around them. India had the same sort of um, divination or uh, deification, rather, of the natural world as well. And these are some of the oldest cultures, so it's quite natural for humanity to do that. And part of this nature worship has been the observations of the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, constellations, meteors, comets, and so forth, and taking the knowledge about these planetary bodies and encapsulating them into stories to pass along the information from generation to generation. They also would encapsulate the, this knowledge in their architecture, other artifacts. We've got discs and zodiacs and mm-hmm. so forth, that just endless amount of this wonderful stuff from around the world. And I'm trying to point towards that. Okay, let's not worry about uh, whether or not this myth or that myth actually happened in history, because most of them didn't. That's why they're called myths. But, you know, things like virgin births actually happening to people of a particular ethnicity 2,000 years ago, all this stuff that is very ethnically biased and focused on... There's there's one guy he represents God, or this other guy he represents God, and and when you, in fact you figure out that these stories they're telling about these particular superhuman saviors and godmen, they're actually very old, they're archetypical, and they have to do with nature worship, and so this takes us out of our myopic, culturally biased little world. And and tosses us back into where we were ten thousand years ago, which is if you didn't if you weren't a keen observer of nature ten thousand years ago, you wouldn't survive. Right. You needed somebody who knew what was happening with the natural world. And human beings are not that stupid that they couldn't have actually sat and had these scientific typical observations, and we know that they did. Well, of course, where, where they, you know, yeah. they, they didn't have Xbox, they didn't have Netflix, they didn't have computers, <laughs> they didn't exactly. have all these little electronic gizmos that we have today that take us away from nature. That's exactly right. Yeah. And yeah. they're sitting on mountains. I, I like to just project myself back in time some, sometimes, like to now, to the site called Gobekli Tepe in, in Turkey, for example, did 11,500 years old? Who knew, huh? I mean, some of us crackpot anomalies over here have been know- have known about this, <laughs> the antiquity of human culture for a long time, but we've been told by the mainstream repeatedly, well, first it was the, the bibliolaters, you know, saying that the Bible records the creation of the world in 4004 B.C. So first we had that nonsense. Then we had the the nonsense is almost biblical from the archaeologists telling us that, oh, it, it, it was nothing earlier than, first it was, of course, the Egyptians, and then it was the Sumerians. Mm-hmm. And then now we're finding out, yeah, there, the, even in Jericho, there's older civilization. Shatohayak uh, uh, in Turkey, now there's this Gobekli Tepe in Turkey, 11,500 years old. And it's this magnificent site that shows a serious advanced culture at that time. And so like I, like I said, we, we people in the, have been looking at this fringe research have known about these implications. And because some of this stuff is traceable through the myths, some of these myths have to be very, very, very old. And so they, can, they just pop up, you know, 3,000 mm-hmm. years ago. I often look at the older religions. Well, let's be honest. I look at all religions as nothing else but a, but a, a form of an almanac. 
That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Uh, the cu- cultural artifacts. Yeah, exactly. They're not something, I'm not interested in banning all religion. People say, think that because I critique religion and its pathologies that have allowed for people to kill hundreds oh. of millions of people and do all these horrible things, that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I want to ban religion across the board. And I'm saying, no, look, look at what religion has inspired. That's right. Now, granted, granted, if you look at, and I'm not saying to believe in it, because if you look at something like, for example, the Mayan culture, the Mesoamericans, they were pretty brutal. They sure were. So they're creating these magnificent edifices, and yet then they're you know, cutting people's hearts out and throwing their bodies down the sides of these buildings. So, <laughs> and, and we also have to remember it, Cherry, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that these books, these theological books, these theological philosophical books were written by people who did not have a grasp on what we know today. If the events of the Bible were to happen today and witnessed by, by the masses, how would the Bible be written, or would it be written at all? Yeah, that's a great question. The, the, uh, you know, that, that's a huge debate, whether or not an omniscient God could possibly have written such a thing and, and left out so much and included what uh, debunkers are contending are serious errors in science mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, and, yeah, when you, if you look, if you go and study, I've been studying religion since I was a child because I was very fascinated by the Greek myths as a young person before I could even read. I would like to look at the pictures and sometimes color cartoon, you know, comic books and so forth. But if you, if you look at uh, the, from that perspective, I was also exposed to National Geographic. I love telling this because it really had a huge effect on my psyche. Yeah. I looked at cultures from all around the world. I was very anthropologically minded in the sense that I could look at them dispassionately from the outside and not be involved, and that applies specifically to religious brainwashing, for example. And so um, that allowed me also to look at these cultures from around the world, seeing seeing the what they had in common and also but not adhering to them one or the other and saying well i believe over here and therefore i'm not like you over there and i'm actually better than you and you're evil and doomed and you're unsaved and all that other bigoted rubbish that Mm -hmm. we hear i never had that experience where i was so arrogant and conceited looking at people i have the right belief system i'm better than you And so I was able to look at these different cultures without a judgment as to their morality and see what they had created. For example, the Greek culture, which I spent a lot of time studying. I lived in Greece, speak the language, read the language on a regular basis, absolutely love it. Uh, And I could look at the Parthenon and the Acropolis in Greece and and with great wonder, uh, just amazed and not thinking, oh, these people were heathens and they weren't Christians like me. And, uh, you know, I didn't have any of that judgment. And so I had, when I would go visit these sites in Greece, talk about a high. I would just be ecstatic. I I was like, this is so exciting. These are the things, the the reasons, the raison d'etre, my moment to be alive or live for these moments and so uh that kind of mentality if we could develop that mentality and not saying uh we have the only truth and now we're going to go around and destroy all these sacred sites on the planet and our own past which has been happening abundantly 
here I'm trying to t- show people with these calendars that look at these sites, look at these artifacts. They're amazing what human- humanity has created. Look at the commonalities between cultures here. Uh, it can't get any better than that. I, I give descriptions. And also the science that they are recording is so important to emphasize. We've got, for example, speaking of you know the Mesoamerican situation, mm-hmm. um, and, um, in the August picture, I have the Pyramid of the Sun in my 2012 calendar. The Pyramid of the Sun and the Avenue of the Dead in Tiahuacan, Mexico. Everybody knows this site. You know, it's a famous Aztec site. Uh, it's, well, actually, it's, it's like proto-Aztec almost in some ways. They were, they, it's been built over several times, but um, it's aligned. It has many astronomical alignments. The Pyramid of the Sun itself is aligned to cross-quarter days, and its face is oriented to the sunset on August 13th, which is an interesting date. It's not doesn't really follow with the, uh, the you know, typical solstices and right. equinoxes and so forth. And so now we look at what are the why is there a difference like that? Why do they? Well, the Maya live not so far from the equator, and so the solstices weren't all that important to them. Uh, because they didn't have this dramatic daytime nighttime shift going on throughout the year, the solstice, of course, is really important to people living in the north in the northern hemisphere, and uh, well, the winter solstice, where it's really cold, and then of course this, the opposite happens in the southern hemisphere. But the, let's say December 25th, this was a amazing time for people because the sun had been disappearing from the sky, and the days were getting shorter, and the nights were getting longer, and it was. It's you know it's a time of death and cold and and depression. There's this uh, seasonal affective disorder, for example, in Scandinavian countries. And so when it makes this turnaround at the solstice and the sun starts, the days start getting longer. It's a time of tremendous rejoicing. They know that life is going to be renewed. It's just the heat of the sun alone is enough to bring up their mood. And then obviously, I mean, now we know about vitamin D and all the other things that are accompanying accompanying sunlight. But the Maya uh, were not so focused on that, and they had they were more interested in the equinoxes, for example, or Mesoamerican cultures, not just the Maya. And you, so we go into we look at the reasons for these things, and this is where our cultural differences come in, and they don't have to be differences. They may become something like that would become dogma. You know, in my religion, August 13th is very important. Yeah, exactly. And then they start fighting over it. Instead of realizing why it was important in your religion, and it has to do with the uh, particular alignment or some yep. observation. That was actually the day of Maya origins. And I don't know exactly why they chose that day. but So it, you can say, okay, sure, the day, date of Maya origins is August 15th. There's no reason to hate that date then if you're a non-believer. You know? <laughs> That's a silly thing. Well, we don't want to follow your holy days. Cause, and the same thing with, let's say, Judaism and Islam. They're very lunar-oriented. Their mm-hmm. their traditions have a lot to do with the moon and the phases and so forth. And that's quite contrary to uh, more solar religions. And so now we see the fight between the night and the do- the, the night sky people or the day sky people, and that's been a big d- battle throughout history. People who travel at night in desert regions have different religious beliefs because of their environment. Harsher, brutal, cruel—you know—it's a very rough life. People live in the in the uh, islands of uh, South Pacific have had very easy life, traditionally speaking, until, of course, 
missionaries overrun them, ran them. Of course. Of course, you know, leave but, it to Westerners yeah. to screw things up, yeah. Yeah. Well, some places they made it better, and some places they made it worse. As far as the Polynesian Islands go, they didn't need the introduction of rats and diseases and clothing. Well, just like the North American for. natives didn't need 30 million of them wiped out when we came over and brought all this <laughs> disease with us. And we're the good guys. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's, a, it's a give and take there, because, like, you have you have the conquistadors coming here mm-hmm. and with their missionaries and proclaiming these devil worshippers with good reason when they're seeing thousands of people having their hearts cut out and being uh, well, It was and, called population control back then. <laughs> uh, well, there, you know, there's so many reasons for that. They, I think what happens there with the uh, human sacrifice, which has been practiced all over the world, yeah. and that's actually what we're seeing in the New Testament gospel story is a sacred king, human sacrifice, scapegoat, goat ritual. Whew, that's a mouthful. Uh, is that I think what happened possibly is thousands of years ago, you know, we had these tremendous floods at the end of... My friend, I hate to do this to you, but we've got to take a break. When we come back, let's pick it up at the floods. All right. All right. My good friend, Acharya S., is on the show with us this hour, com. She has her brand-new 2012 Astrotheology calendar available. Go to our website, check it out, truthbeknown.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't you dare go away. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation, whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials. How we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. My good friend Acharya S., uh, we've been talking about her 2012 astrotheology calendar. Her website is www.truthbeknown.com. You know what, you and I started chatting uh, during the commercial break, and, and you said that you're getting right into Bigfoot. 
Um, tell us a little bit. Why do you think Bigfoot is real? <laughs> you troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm saying, I'm watching these shows mm-hmm. that are on like, National Geographic yeah. and Discovery and History Channel. And, you know, I find the subject fascinating. And I find a lot of, I'm so glad there's serious, hardcore scientists looking at it. I love these subjects. These are fun. They're, you know, regardless of whether or not we believe in them, I just I think that I'm interested in exploring everything that humanity has has been able to perceive. Especially when we haven't fully dis- explored our own planet, or what is it? We've explored less than ten percent of the oceans. Oh yeah, well My the oceans heavens. are full of incredible things, and that, but we still have even after all the clear cutting and destruction of the planet, mm-hmm. we still have these massive forests. Yeah. That are, you don't want to get lost in them, so we're not sure why everything's what's going on in there. And then there's still hundreds of species. Granted, most of them are very small, being you know discovered every day. But uh, yeah, so there's I mean there's our natural world that fascinates me, and then there's the man-made world that's fascinating me, and this is what I represent. I one, actually one astrotheology represents both. It's the best of both. One quick question for you. We've got about yeah. two minutes left. Yeah. Who was Jesus Christ? <laughs> oh gosh. Well, my research shows mm-hmm. these commonalities that when you take characteristics of this gospel story, the, the commonalities uh, resolve back to, again, astrotheology, nature worship. And we're, we're looking at a solar hero there. We're looking at a typical sun, god, god-man, solar archetype uh, that we find in the in the Americas as well, which is something I also discussed briefly in this, ca- this particular calendar. I talk about Kukulkan and Quetzalcoatl, or two or Maya and Aztec names for uh, a similar solar figure, and just happens to have much in common with mm-hmm. Christ, the Christ figure. And so when I see those things, and I go, you know, I can trace them all over the world: There's Mithraism and and Egyptian religion, Indian religion, all these commonalities. And then they seem to go back even further and further. I keep tracing them back tens of thousands of years, uh, and they all they start to be they start to show themselves, reveal themselves to us as observations of the natural world. And this is a unifying thing too. This is why I'm trying to have people appreciate this: the unity of of our religious concepts dating back thousands of years, and where we left off before this um, story in the go- the gospel story of the of the sacred king being ritually sacrificed. Mm-hmm. It's pre-Christian. In fact, I think Christianity was an effort to, to end that practice, which was going on all over the place. It's, hey, Acharya, you and, uh, you and I are going to have to get back together again and uh, complete this, uh, this conversation. It's always <laughs> great talking to you, my dear friend. Take care Alrighty, of you. The very then. best of luck to you in everything you do. God knows you deserve it. Oh, you too, sweetheart. You take care now. Cherry S has been my guest this hour, truthbeknown.com. I'll be back tomorrow night at 10 o'clock as once again we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. But until then, always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. Good night now.